Good to be with you. Good to be home. We had a wonderful uh, time away, 56 sleeps without having to get up and be responsible for anything the next day. Uh, one of our big goals being gone was to uh, finish a book that the Lord had laid on my heart. First draft is done and is in cold storage. I'll read it again in a couple of weeks. And, really uh, cold storage. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Pastor Don and I have been married 45 years today. <laughs> On a day that was even hotter than this in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And uh, we're grateful for God's blessing and grace in our lives. So we're going to look at the book of Acts tonight, uh, unrehearsed. Uh, I don't know what anybody's going to say. Uh, and hopefully they haven't put too terrible much thought into what they're going to say oh, either. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me introduce uh, the gang here. Uh, on my far left, not a stranger to most of you, uh, Alyssa Andrews, Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Ethan's uh, wife, a graduate of Horizon College and Seminary, working on her master's degree, a teaching assistant at Horizon College and Seminary, serves me when I teach that way, so glad you're with us, Alyssa. Dean Height, graduate of Horizon College. This is getting scary here. Uh, when it was called Central Pentecostal College, a master's degree from uh, uh, Briarcrest Seminary and uh, one of the members of our church board of deacons. So glad you're with us. On my left is Reverend Drisner. The, how many Reverend Drisners are floating around this world? One of, Reverend, one of the world's Reverend Drisners. And uh, recently also officially graduated from... Uh, Horizon College, and Linnell, and where'd your hubby and little guy go? There, there. <laughs> so you can concentrate or something, hey? So, and uh, Linnell is married to Evan, uh, still attending the U of S, I think, is that correct? Uh, a music major, music history major, music theory major, so... Uh, glad you are with us. So we just want to talk about the series Unfinished tonight. We want to talk about the book of Acts tonight and talk about uh, in just kind of a review, a look at the 15 messages that have been taught about what stuck out to people. So uh, I think this is important for us not to rush out of this series this is the early church. This is how the church functioned. This is what the church did in its first years. And uh, there are things we can and should be learning from that. I preached the first message in this series a long time ago, and I took you to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we talked about four words, spirit, power, witnesses everywhere. And then we went through the walk in the book of Acts, discovering what God was doing, the work of the Spirit, how he empowered people to, to, to minister in the power of his Spirit. 
and how the church literally went and witnessed everywhere. The church did not stay this little tiny group in Jerusalem. Uh, they went and things changed. So uh, we're just going to talk about that story uh, tonight. And uh, Alyssa, why don't you kick us off? What stuck out to you as we walked through the book of Acts and, uh, and kind of saw what was happening in the early church? One thing that... Um stuck out to me from just your first message on Acts and then Yasmin's last message on Acts. Um, They were really complimentary. Um, You really notice in the book of Acts that, you know, God is the main subject. And in your first message, Pastor John, you said, this really isn't a book about the Acts of the Apostles. You know, it's not a book about people. It's a book about God's uh, initiative to bring his redemptive and salvific power into the world that he's already been doing throughout the whole Old Testament. And so Acts doesn't really come out of nowhere. It's just this continuation at the story of God's, you know, continuing initiative to um, save people. And when Yasmin preached last week, I was like on my couch in my living room doing the ugly cry, you know, like, oh my gosh, like God's so good, you know, (laughs) Um, because she talked about this, you know, invitation into the narrative and acts as just this incredible story of God's continuing action um, that we're invited into. So God doesn't force anything. And, and sure, like lots of, you know, people do crazy or good, the crazy evil or crazy good things in the book of Acts, but it's just this like, wow, God's initiative continuing on from the, t- like from the beginning of time, you know, from the beginning of humanity, like God has been taking initiative. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And that was just, yeah, something that really stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I, I think we have done a disservice to this book by calling it the Acts of the Apostles. It really is the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the working of God's Spirit, the initiative of God's, God's Spirit. Dean, any comments there? Anything stick out to you? Um, um, I think for me... Is, that, is your mic on or... Um, Bottom button. Pass them your mic there, Don, I think. Or or Alyssa. Pass it quick, yes. And pass yours to Alyssa. And we'll She'll know she'll know how to figure it out. There you go. At midnight we're allowed to spread them, so we'll just start <laughs> early. <laughs> okay. There it is. All right. You can show me after how it works. <laughs> Uh, I guess for me, uh, where it comes to as well, um, speaking to you about the power, but also just even last week, Pastor Yasmin's uh, sermon really hit me too. Um, whole Acts 27, 22 to 25, the storm and the shipwreck. And I like when Paul is talking to um, the leader, I guess essentially the centurion and the leaders and the fellow prisoners. And when he's chatting to them, he says, you know, I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So I think that's a good, a good connection even to, 
to what Alyssa said as well, is just even that connection to God and, and staying true to him. And, and he is our presence. He is our peace. He's in the storm, in the midst of our storm. And I like it too that he's concerned about the people. And I like it again too in that simple sense of he just says, do not be afraid, Paul. I'm going to give you this. And then on the flip side of that, Paul tells the men this and says, you know what? I believe the God that I serve. This is going to happen. And I guess for me, that was a real challenge to say, how often do I hear something from God or hear God's voice and then actually believe that it's going to happen? Sometimes I doubt, sometimes I wonder, but just found that amazing. Just that reminder that this, this is what's going to happen. And then in Acts 28, 1, we see it simply says ashore on Malta, um, or once they're safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. And so again, just in, you know, obviously the story is condensed, but at the end of it, the reality was they landed on the island. Everybody was okay, even those that didn't swim and God took care of them and God was faithful. And that, that just amazes me and reminds me again of just how God's promises are true. And if he has a plan and he has a purpose, he's going to fulfill it. No matter, I think sometimes even our own decisions, we sometimes go, no, I don't want to do something or no, I'm not doing this. But at the end of the day, God still works, you know, in our life and works in our life amazingly. So, First day of our holiday sabbatical, I found a piece of paper and I wrote down my goals for the eight weeks. Um, and one of those goals was to visit my dad in Calgary. And we were able to do that. I actually got there the weekend he was moving into a new uh, home, a nursing home. And I sat down with him in his new room. And here's a guy who's lived a full life. He's actually turned 92 today. And uh, active life, healthy life, has enjoyed some success, lived in comfortable homes. And now he's got a chair, pastored, got a chair and a bed and a dresser. And I said, how are you, Dad? I said, I'm good. I got a bed and I got a roof and they're going to feed me. Got a bed and I got a roof and they're going to feed me. Here's a guy who lived all of his life and I'm realizing that as I get older, nothing ever bothered him. He just knew God had it. God's got this. God's got it under control. And, and I thought of that as you were talking here, Dean. And, and I, my two new American Standard Bibles fell apart. So I got a new Bible. And it's an English Standard Version. But let me read to you verse 25. Acts 27, so take heart, man, for I have faith in God that it'll be done exactly as I've been told. I mean, Paul moved in this level of faith, and I saw my dad speaking it out too. So lots of lessons of faith here. Linnell, I'd go to you, but I'm going to give Donna a turn first. So uh, what do you want to add here, Mrs. D? Well, <clears throat> firstly, your dad doesn't even have a dresser. Oh, he doesn't even have a dress. I gave that to Kent. <laughs> um, but at the portion that Dean was talking about, 
um, brought back some thoughts too because that's one of my mom's favorite stories and uh, she would often quote that verse to me and you know when I was going through some tough times and would give her a call she would say oh Donna the ship might go down but there'll be no loss of life <laughs> so that was that was her comforting um, but the interesting thing is if you really you know follow the story of Paul you recognize that um, he was told by so many good people, good believing people, not to go. Don't do this. Don't go. Uh, and yet he still went. And he didn't go in ignorance. He went knowing that this was not going to be easy. And as I think of that, I think of myself. And as soon as things get a little squeezy, uh, I, I want to exit stage left. I want to find the simplest and fastest way out. And of course, that includes getting on your knees and saying, oh God, get, get me out of this. You know, just, just turn this around. Get me on a better road. And we see that that's not what Paul did at all. But Paul rather said, well, yeah, it's not going to be easy but this is what I'm called to. I'm going to walk through this storm. And I think that that's a challenge for us, uh, me in particular, and I'm sure many of you, um, to get to that point where our faith is so strong that we can look the storm in the eye and say, here I come. Here I come. And I think that is because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was resting on Paul's life. And uh, I was on sabbatical for a lot of those sermons, so I really wasn't paying attention. But um, I do remember before we left, uh, Pastor Jordan preached, and uh, he had these points. And of course, I love writing in my Bible, so thankfully I wrote some points down to save myself. Uh, and so he had just three little points. And the first one was, the Holy Spirit makes us one. And I, I think that's, that's uh, so key in knowing that we're not alone, even when we do face the storms. Um, number two, Holy Spirit gives us power to witness. And then three, Holy Spirit changes our lives. The goal is never information but transformation. And I think that's what Paul experienced here. That was that enabled him to look the storm square in the eye and say, okay, you look out storm, because here I come. Uh, yeah, thank you. Goal is not information, but transformation. I think we've got a problem in many of our churches and probably some of our hearts where we just hope the pastor, the speaker, has some information for us this weekend that'll kind of make us think a bit or something. That's not the goal of God's Word. The God's Word is to change us, to transform us. So, last but not least, Linnell. Hello. Okay. Um, <laughs> it works. Something that really stuck out to me was that story of the widows. I, I don't have any chapters or anything written down, but it was one of Pastor Yasmin's sermons. And um, not only how many problems they faced and that some people had gotten overlooked because it was out of the apostles' capacity with serving, but 
that the widows weren't necessarily right either for grumbling and complaining because they had been neglected. And I just thought that that really hit me hard because so many times I feel justified in grumbling and complaining. Like I totally identified myself as a grumbler and maybe a lot of us could. And that's not really great to admit in front of a church that I, I, I'm a grumbler, but I really identified with that and it was really humbling. And there were a lot of things over what I listened to with the Acts series that were so humbling of just how much God wants our heart and not about what we get out of this, but just actually having a transformative experience with God. And um, even when the church shouldn't have let it be out of their capacity to take care of these widows, that they still, it wasn't in their capacity to complain to com- and grumble. So just being challenged that, I have a reciprocal responsibility to not grumble and complain while the pastors and people leading me have a responsibility of their own, but there's got to be grace for when we fall off the tracks. Yeah. Say that last sentence again. Can you remember it? Because I think that's important. There's got to be grace for when we fall off the tracks. Got to be grace for when we fall off the tracks. Yeah. Both, the, both the pastors and us ourselves. I find myself, I have a lot less grace for the Christian than I do for the non-Christian sometimes as well, because I feel like they should know better. That pastor should know better. That Christian should know better. But actually, like, we're all in the same position in certain ways. So reminds me of uh, a quote and I think this was Pastor Jordan's sermon too. I'm not sure. But it was from um, R.H. Let's see what we've got here. Something? E something? What does that say? Can't even read my own writing. R.H. Evans, I think it says. God's kingdom is not a kingdom of the worthy. Um, it's a kingdom of the hungry. And I thought of that. mentioned. Oh, good. If I could just... Add on to what Lillian and were saying. Sorry, you guys. Wow, I'm here. Um, and, and just, you know, the, it's not information, it's transformation. Um, something that we see in the book of Acts, you know, before the conversion of Cornelius in Acts 10, um, who's a Gentile. Um, all the mass conversions, all the people who become Christ followers are originally Jewish. And... Um, you know, the, we often think of the Old Testament as this thing. It's like, wow, there's so much there. You know, you, it, the Torah is just filled with all of these laws and, and all of this stuff that you have to follow. And um, you'd think that, like, they'd, be, they'd jump at the chance for that grace. And it's like, well, God has always given grace because when, when you see these mass conversions, it's the truest Jews that become Christ followers. And throughout the book of Acts, the majority of persecution comes from other Jews who know the Torah, who know the ways of God, who know the rules to follow, and they're the ones that cause trouble for the church. Almost throughout the whole book of Acts, it's almost always the Jewish uh, people who, who don't become Christ followers um, that cause the most trouble. And so I just think it's like this, this whole grace thing, it's like, wow, you know, God this whole time has just wanted to transform people into these like people of God who just like care for one another, who are agents of transformation in other people's lives. Um, and it's, and it's the, 
But it's not this like stumbling block either. It's like, wow, the, the, the law originally and now with Christ, it's like none of it is too hard to bear because the truest of the Jewish believers, the people who were most dedicated and loved God and followed the law because of that, become Christ followers. You know what I mean? It was never a stumbling block. And yet sometimes I think even my own personal takeaway from this too is, you know, I'm a Christian and I know what to do, and yet I cause the most trouble. You know what I mean? Because I don't love God the way I should, or I am not letting God, you know, change me the way I should be letting God change me. It's like, I, I'm the one, I'm the troublemaker, you know, I'm the threat to, to the church. I'm the one that's letting sin creep in sometimes, you know. Um, it's, it's not something external, it's something internal that, that threatens that. Um, but yeah, just that, that grace for when we fall off the tracks is really powerful. And just that transformation, it's like all along, it's like as long as you have just loved God devotedly, you know, even Old Testament, New Testament, it's like, wow, that is just the world changing. You know, it's this narrative that's not just useless. It's like this narrative that um, has eternal consequences. You know, it's like eternally applicable. It's the only narrative that matters. Um, and it's full of grace and good things. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's really amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it's such a powerful story. It really is. Anything surprise any of you as, as you went through this story? Anything maybe you hadn't noticed about the early church before or it hadn't impacted you before? Uh, any surprises in this? Linnell, sounds like you're willing to dive in. Go for it. I was really surprised by how many problems they had. Um, I hadn't really maybe noticed that before, but kind of each sermon that I tried to review, it wasn't all of them. I'm not that big of a keener, but just the ones that I did review, it was like, oh, there's this problem and this person's causing division and this problem. And it's like, man, that doesn't sound too much different than us. Like, so that was a really big surprise for me. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I've been pastoring a little while now, and I'm always surprised. Pastor, I, I've got to go find a new church. There's too many problems in this church. Problems are part of the church. The church has always had problems. Go to some other church, enjoy their problems if you don't like our problems. But churches have problems uh, because we're people trying to advance the kingdom of God and the work of God. And the enemy comes in and our weaknesses and our personalities come in. So, yeah, it is kind of crystal clear when you really pay attention here. So, anybody else a surprise or two that may have stuck out to you? Um, just with Donna's, you know, wanting to get out of trouble really fast, um, the Holy Spirit spirits away Peter to the Ethiopian eunuch and that just reminded me of what you're saying it's like wow you don't see that a lot in scripture it's like I mean there's a couple places in the Old Testament where like God will take somebody to heaven but the Holy Spirit is just doing its thing and just spirits away <laughs> Peter to this other location it's like wow if I could just be walking along my troubles and whatever and just yeah Holy Spirit just take me away um but I just, I find that story so interesting because it's like, what is that? You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it's obviously for God's purposes because uh, um, he meets the Ethiopian eunuch and, you know, spreads the gospel. So it's like, obviously the Holy Spirit's not just going to like poof me somewhere just for fun. But I just, I, I, I don't know. I love that story. It just, it is surprising. And then the other thing that uh, surprises me in the early church um, that really just like, oof, like really impacted me was that 
the people who threaten the church the most are the ones who say that they're the real, like, Yahweh, God followers. And that is just really powerful for me. It was a big wake-up call. It's like, well, I am the problem, <laughs> you know? Like, and obviously I'm being a little hard on myself and being a little facetious, but it's, it's like, wow, you cannot underestimate the own sin of yourself as you're part of the body of Christ because sin creeps at the door, right? You see that in Genesis, sin is creeping at your door waiting to devour, and it's like, okay, yes, I'm a Christian, but that sin problem is still, you know, relevant. <laughs> and it's like, I'm the creeping problem sometimes. I'm the Christian in the church that, that might cause the problem and, and might destroy or prevent God's purposes from going forward. And that was just like, whoa, to me. Um, and that just, because, you know, you, you read the persecution and, and the, the troubles of the church. And I never made that connection before until now that, um, you know, because like, I think it's Satan, you know, Satan does this, Satan does that, Satan's persecuting the church. And it's like, actually, no, that was me, the person who says that they love God. Um, and I thought that was that was a big wake-up call and surprise for me as we journeyed through this book. Dean, got something you want to throw in here? Yeah, I think just kind of segueing from from that, from Alyssa, um, Pastor Jordan, he was talking about Acts 22 and, you know, really talked about how Paul got arrested and then Paul speaks to the crowd. And it was a bunch of Jews that were stirring up the crowd in the first place. And they're obviously very religious. And it really hit me and reminded me of how it's so easy to be religious. But what about the relationship um, with Christ? And we actually see what Ananias said to Paul in Acts 22 when, when he first came to him. He said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. And you will be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And I just found that powerful that Paul, you know, his eyes were open and, and he's like, yeah, why not? And he went and got baptized and, you know, preached the gospel. And then later when we see in Acts 22, when Paul's talking to the crowd and he's talking to the Jews and he talks to them in their language, in Aramaic, they got quiet and they listen to him. But then interestingly at the end, uh, when he makes this statement, as he's going through his testimony, at the very end he says, uh, the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And then the response in 22, 23a says, the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. And I'm like, really? I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty strong. <laughs> Uh, yikes. But anyway, and then he says, and they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air. And then from there, we actually see that uh, the Roman um, general essentially comes in and rescues him and pulls him into the barracks. And the crowd was so strong that they actually had to lift him, um, you know, and get him into the barracks and protect him. And, but it, to me, it was interesting, just that whole thing of how the crowd just became unhinged. And uh, interestingly, this week, it reminded me too of, I was doing some training, I have a different position at my, my job, and I was doing some training, and they talked about when we're in any particular situation and depending on our um, personality and how we view things, most of us tend to react first, we, we emotionally react to something, and then we have time, and then we logically will work through it. And they said there's very few people, if any of us will, will logically just work through it, and then 
have the emotion after. It's almost 100% emotions first. And then we're like, okay, maybe we should think about that. And then we'll logically talk about it. So I'm thinking about these guys going, wow, yeah, there's definitely some emotions there. Um, but interesting though, and, and this is what um, Pastor Jordan explained as well, I, I think what it comes down to though too is, and realize that we do all have a short, sorry, a story to share, and the message of Jesus is for everyone. And in the end of it, God embraces all people. And that really hit me too and reminded me um, in some ways even surprised me just to see that again as read through that, those chapters in that story that God embraces all people and he welcomes all of us, uh, whether we're in sin uh, and so on, and he, and he takes us in. And I, I think for me that was, that was powerful um, to be his witnesses. God's everywhere, but that's also seeing his spirit um, and his power work in people, especially these religious people. And I believe if you, know, you, you kind of look beyond that, we see as well that a number of people came, you know, of course came to Christ and, you know, in the early church. And just to kind of, I'll, I'll make one more comment. Um, I thought it was interesting too, at the end of Acts 28, and I like what Pastor Yasmin said, um, there's that reminder of, yes, it's the ending, it's chapter 28, it's the last chapter of Acts, and it's the ending, but that reminder of it's also just the beginning. And just like with our story, we've had a story in Christ, but our our story hasn't ended yet. If we're still alive, Christ is still working on us. And I like at the end of Acts 28, we actually see, um, therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, this is in Rome, and welcomed all who came to see him. And this is the part that actually reminded me of that, that the story is just beginning, but also surprised me a bit. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, most of the people that were coming to him were, were Gentiles. And uh, just an amazing ending to me. And I guess to me, it's just that reminder of, uh, and for us, I guess in general, how do we then live? How do we live the Acts story? What has it done in our life? And how will we, I guess basically, how will we then live to see how Paul lived and how the apostles lived, where it just was faith and let even negative circumstances actually help them um, in life. So, Thank you, Dean. I'm, I'm going to share what surprised me the most from the book of Acts. And then we're just going to take time for all of you to maybe give a quick thought on what you think the big take-home needs to be for us as a church. The thing our church should not forget now that we've gone through these 28 chapters, what's, what's God calling us to do and be as the neighborhood church? So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. The thing that surprised me, well, let me back up. Um, I love reading. I read nine books uh, while we were gone. And some authors are better than auth other authors. I read a biography of James Knox Polk, who was the 11th president of the United States, and that author knew how to write. I can't remember his name, Borham, I think. The guy was just an exceptional author. Acts is written by Dr. Luke, and this guy can write. He can write. Verse number eight, chapter one. Uh, power. Uh, Spirit, witnesses everywhere. 
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the world. And then Luke is this story of the power of the Spirit of God coming upon people to be witnesses everywhere. The progress of the everywhere is so clear. So the thing I had never thought about before and and really hit me between the eyes as, as I studied this book was, man, this going with the gospel to everywhere was challenging. So they end up in Samaria, Acts chapter 10. And these people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but they're not Jews and they don't know the 613 rules you're supposed to keep. And the holy people are all upset because they don't know the 613 rules and they're not living by the 613 rules. And how the church just met and said, what do you do when you take Jesus into a new culture? And when they took Jesus into a new culture, the shocking part of the story for us is they didn't bring the 613 rules with them. They just, here's the three things you got to stick to. Here's the three biggies. And you'd think we'd learn something from that, but we don't. We go around the world with the gospel and we don't just want to make them like Jesus. We want to make them like our culture. So we've had the privilege of ministering in Africa and the early global workers, missionaries who went there taught these uh, wonderful people that if they were going to be Christians, they need to, to change their, what my mother-in-law called garb, change their garb and buy suits and get white shirts and get ties. And so 10 years ago, I go to Africa, Don and I went to Africa, and I'm preaching in Africa, and nobody sent them the memo that we don't wear white shirts and suit jackets and ties anymore, and they're still wearing suit jackets and white shirts and ties, because that's what Christians do. And I'm in sweltering 40, 38, 40, 42 above weather in a suit and a tie, sweating like a pig, because that's what Christians do. And they would have been offended if I'd done it. What did we do? We took our culture and we transplanted on them instead of just teaching them to follow Jesus and know Jesus, love Jesus. We brought a bunch of rules with it. And, and, and the wisdom of the early church of not doing that, just love Jesus, just know Jesus. And we're going through a hard time as a nation because when we got to North America, our wonderful indigenous people who were here first, we not only took them Jesus, we said, well, if you're gonna be Christians, you gotta to learn to talk English. You gotta let us educate you. Your ways are all wrong. They'd survive for centuries without knowing any of our ways, but we don't just give them Jesus. We want them to be like us. We don't just give them Jesus. We try to give them our culture. And, and I never, until I was really reading this, thought about how difficult it is to bring Jesus in and deal with the cultural differences between people. 
And the wisdom we saw the early apostles exercise uh, in navigating that, it just surprised me, hit me, struck me as really, really important for us. So, hey, let's wrap up. Uh, what do you think are the big take-homes for the neighborhood church here? You ready to lead the way there, Leno? Bless you. I saw your microphone wave, so. Kind of going off that line a little bit. It just a big takeaway is how much God cares about us inwardly and not those appearances. So all of those Gentiles could have been following all the 613 rules, but if their heart wasn't in it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And that's something I've been trying to really figure out in my own life as well. And there was something from Pastor Jordan where he talked about the these people asking, will you appoint us to some important position? What do I get out of being an apostle? And I, for one, have totally treated God like this and how much we treat God like that. Of, I, I went to Briarcrest, got a ministry degree, and I was so fixated all this time on wanting a ministry position that I just kind of forgot about, like, I wanted that important position. Had you told me two years ago, a year ago, I'd be on here tonight, man, the pride in my heart would just swell up because that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in front of people. But my heart, I don't think, was in it like I thought it was. And that's our big takeaway. Like, why are we serving at church? Why are we getting the opportunities we're getting? Why are we doing music, whatever? Is it to serve? Is it to follow Jesus? And I'm not saying that to call out anyone. I'm calling on myself because I've been doing so many things in my life just to for appearances sometimes not meaning to actively but that we God cares about our inward lives and our inward relationships so much so who who cares what you're doing up on stage if you don't actually have a relationship with him who cares if you're speaking in front of thousands but you can't speak to the one true God. And that's just so much for myself and being so afraid of all of obedience and commandments, but it's about loving Jesus. And I think that hopefully that's maybe a big takeaway is just loving Jesus and our inward lives, not just our obedience and what we look like on the outside. Beautiful. I think that deserves a hand. Yeah. Thank you. Who wants to dive? You're going to dive in next. I see that microphone, <laughs> microphone see waving. Microphone? That's the symbol for me. So, or signal for me. So. Everyone else, close your eyes. He sees it. So, anyway, sorry, that was a joke. Um, just to hop off of Linnell's um, big, big takeaway of just God caring about our inner lives so much. Um, what I, what my takeaway is, um, kind of that builds on that. Um, is that we cannot underestimate um, the influence that we have in the body of Christ because we can either we can either let God care about us and, and transform us um, and continually give us grace to keep moving on the right path or we we don't and that's really the only two ways to go. And I don't mean to dichotomize it so severely, but it's like, wow, if I'm not letting God transform me, what am I doing? You know? Um, and I, I don't like to view the world black and white like that, but I, I don't see any other alternative. And if you look at Acts chapter 5 with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, like, they are Christians. 
they are people who were doing God's purposes and the spiritual warfare going on in that chapter, I think, is, is a big takeaway because it's like they could have let God transform them in their inner lives because God cares about that so much, and yet they didn't. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They let Satan deceive them. Um, and, and I just think that's really, really powerful because there is no external threat that can threaten the church, that can threaten the existence of the church, except for us, the people in the church. There is no sin Satan thing out there that can damage the church. Sure, there's persecuted church everywhere. Sure, we had to wear masks in for the last year and a half or whatever. You know, like lots of things were different, but there is still church. There is no threat to that except for what threatens it from within. And um, that just really, really, um, like it weighs on me, you know, um, because it's like, wow, I cannot underestimate my own position. You know, I think I'm just this unimportant person and it doesn't matter if I miss church for two months or, or whatever, but it's like, actually, I'm either letting God actively be a part of my life and I'm participating, um, you know, in this uh, story, this narrative um, that he's um, the author of, or I'm threatening it because of my own sin and you know what I mean like it's this it's serious and and that's that's kind of my takeaway because then here's the other thing is it's not just about me so I can either be part of God's purposes and let God care about me and let God transform my inner life and my relationships and 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 by doing that it's all good you know people around me are blessed I'm blessed it's all it's blessed but the alternative is that there's actually consequences as well when we let the sin or threat from within um, kind of just like permeate or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like just let it be, you know, for not actively taking, because you can either be blessing or there's like collateral damage from your inactivity and God's purposes. And that collateral damage looks like you know, wearing suits in like 50 degree weather, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, sure, they're saved, but like at what cost, you know, to their life on earth, because life on earth matters. Um, and so, yeah, there's just this tragic side to to being a Christian as well, I think, that it's like, wow, you really cannot underestimate um, your influence within the body of Christ, because it's like, it, it matters. God cares about your inner life. God cares about the church. God cares about the people of the world. And yet there's active opposition to that all the time. And it's usually not external. It's the internal. It's me, the Christian who says that I love God that can threaten it the most. And so, yeah, that's one of my big, um, lessons. Good, good, good stuff. Thank you. Dean. Uh, I guess for me, just to, finish off um, just the thought to some degree, I guess, is again, just going back to the providence of God, uh, just as a kind of a side story. A lot of times when I go visit family and friends of Jennifer's, if you don't know, my wife is an American, and a lot of them actually ask me, what providence do you come from? And I'm always, well, it's province, but anyway. Um, so anyway, so for me, I, I'm always kind of like, okay, uh, there is providence, and uh, but anyway, yeah, sorry, I just kind of throw it in there. But so anyway, speaking of the providence of God, um, something that really hit me too with this, and just that reminder again of what Pastor Yasmin even preached about was, you know, God's presence in our life. He's our peace. It's about people and relationships and purpose and his promises. And as I went through that and went through the entire book, um, you know, again, you know, and kind of looking quickly at the study and so on, realized that at the end of the day, 
Acts is really for our life today. And how am I living Acts in my life? Um, you know, at home with my wife, with my boys, at work. Um, you know, like, how am I actually living that? Am I actually living a Christian life? Am I living a life that's uh, full of grace and full of Christ and full of faith? And actually believe in the providence of God that he moves and he works in my life and the lives of others. Um, and it's important. And then finally, I guess for me, the question I have and maybe challenge for me, just myself and every day is, you know, how can I become a part of this ongoing story? Um, how can I let the story be in my life and not short circuit that, not short circuit what God wants to do? And again, it's interesting just at work, just in a different position, I've only been there four weeks and there's been lots of change and lots of different people. But at the end of the day, I've been reminded of Jennifer. She's, you know, she's mentioned to me, she says, you know, in the past, sometimes you've been in different places with different people, but why don't you look at it as an opportunity of not just for you to speak into their life, but them into yours. And again, that reminder that God's in their story as well. And we need to be part of their story too. So that's, I guess that's, that's, that's where I come, come from or, we just realize again, remember again, that it's important to be where God wants us. So, Rich take-homes, thank you. So we've made it through 45 years. I'll tell you one of the secrets. Always let your wife have the last word. So um, what would you like to say as we conclude? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, just, hey, you're on my cord. Um, just uh, in wrapping up too, the book of Acts is a fascinating uh, story in itself. And I think for most of us, especially growing up in the church, studying it, reading it over many years, you, you begin to think, you know, this is the great acts of the church. You know, this is like sort of like the club I belong to. This is all the great stuff that happens to the club I belong to. Um, but again, uh, it was in the earlier sermons because we... We're away for the latter hand. And I'm not sure if this was Pastor Yasmin or Pastor Jordan, but they brought out, I'm sure you said something good too at some point. Um, <laughs> but um, they, they, they brought out again this, this thought, and I wrote it down again, that the earthquake, uh, and we kind of mentioned different stories and, and the reference to Paul and Silas being in prison, I think was touched upon. But... Um, the earthquake was not for Paul and Silas. And I think this is kind of what everyone's saying. That this isn't the Holy Spirit. All these things isn't for us. Like, like we keep, you know, wanting more and, and maybe running around chasing all kinds of signs and, and all kinds of things. But the earthquake that Paul and Silas uh, were part of was not for them. It was for the unbeliever. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in this book. It wasn't for, like uh, Alyssa said, for the Christians. It, w it wasn't about us. Uh, and we always want to make it about us. Um, but everything that God does in and through us, uh, through his church, is for the unbeliever. Uh, yeah, does that mean, you know, my life might not be always tickety-boo, and I might end up in prison somewhere, and, you know, all of these things could happen, and if God works in my life, that's wonderful, but it wasn't for me. I'm already saved. 
I already have Christ in my life. I already know the gospel. It's not for me. It was for the unbeliever. And I think that was my big takeaway is just looking at this book completely different than I did in all the years that, that I've studied it, that this is a book about Holy Spirit and him reaching to the uttermost part of the, of the world. And he will do that if we just allow him to um, do what he's good at and not yeah. just always try and be so self-centered. Oh, thank you everyone for helping us tonight. This has been good. This has been refreshing. Give this group a hand for their contributions and their work.